from the Philadelphia Phillies to the New England Patriots, and everything in between. It's the John and Lebo Show, with your hosts, John Sokoloff and Alex Lebowitz. Welcome into the John and Lebo Show. We're back post-Thanksgiving, back in Ithaca, New York. Alex, I know you're back in Bendover, Massachusetts. What? And I know... And over Massachusetts. Yeah, no, okay, that's what I thought you said. Yeah. You, uh, you came down to visit me in, in Philadelphia. We'll, we'll take a look at that a little later, but, uh, lots well, of I thought we were doing today. that. I thought we were doing that now. I know, but, you know, I gotta tell, you know, what, what else, uh, what else we've got? We've got, um, yeah. we'll be talking about the Eli Manning benching. That's huge. A big, stupid move. We'll, we'll get into. And also, we, uh, both made a list of top 10 NBA players that, um, like if we were starting a team, who would we would take? And then, like say that person's off the board. The next person, you know, it's like a. I mean, I, I think it's, the same, effect, it, but, it's yeah. the same thing though. The top ten players you start. I feel like we had. There's a lot of youth in this league. I think the top ten players you'd start a franchise with for the foreseeable future. The top like 10 how players, they are right now. I think they're but both. Yeah, the same. Yeah. I think it's both the same. Personally, I'm looking right, at my yeah, list. It's the same. You probably are, but uh, you know, I don't really care about how your holiday was. So how was uh, Philadelphia? It was your first time there. Went to a Sixers game. You know, took you to the Rocky Steps, uh, Rittenhouse Square, South Street. Condom Kingdom, Tony Luke's got a nice cheesesteak. Wait, what? Was that last? Yeah, okay, there was one in the middle there. I didn't. Um, it was good. It was fun, man. We 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 got a picture with Sylvester Stallone statue. We waited in line. Um, it was great. It was a, it's a fun city. It's nice. You know, I think Boston's better. Um, and I think you over. I think you over. I think you oversold how big Philly is. I, it's it's big. Probably bigger than Boston. It's not that big though. It's not that big of a city. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's nice. Big. It's not that big, but it's nice. I, I like the stadium setup. We went to Wells Fargo, saw our Sixers game, saw, saw our friend, uh, Jake Chernock, who's in the PR department for the Sixers. And I, it's funny because I've been watching the games and, uh, and we were watching it. We were, we, we moved around, but we saw, we'd see him come out of the tunnel and just, oh, excuse me. Oh, oh you're just, you're just that cheap. And, uh, that's what he sounds like for those of you that don't know him. And, uh, it's funny because we'd see him run on the floor and we're like, oh, that's him. That's him. And, and, um, it was good to see him. It was good to see Wells Fargo. It was, it was, it was a, it was a really, really awesome sports environment. That's something that I, I don't think we really talked about. It was loud there. They got some good fans and, and it's a fun, exciting team. So watching the Sixers was fun. Uh, waiting in line to take a picture with Sylvester Stallone. Was frustrating, not because I, I I don't like waiting, but because of the people who are in the line. Um, God, especially there's there was this one guy who was decked out in Bulls gear in front of us, and we're, we're like, "So where are you from? Uh, New York?" And <laughs> he wasn't from he's from Chicago, and uh, he he was talking to this guy who's from Central PA, had a very thick yeah, like, like, yeah very very thick Philadelphia accent, and. Uh, even though he's not even like close to there. It's like an hour he doesn't away. even live close to there, but he sounded like he was born, born and raised in South Philly. And, uh, and he kept repeating the same thing to every person around the line. And the funny thing is, we saw him later on that day, which we'll get to, but he kept saying, this guy's having a good time today in, in Philadelphia, but tomorrow when, the, when the Eagles play the Bears, it's going to be a rough three and a half hours. I heard, I heard him say that three separate times. He said it to, to every person that would make eye contact with him. I kept my head down <laughs> just to avoid having to suffer through this guy's awful joke another time. I um, did, I saw him, I saw him walk up to someone and literally the person didn't even say anything and he goes, he literally walks up to them and he goes, 
Yeah, you know, I was telling him earlier. The other guy had never even said a word to him in his life. You know, I was telling him earlier. Yeah, you know, he should um, you should enjoy today because for tomorrow for three and a half hours, not going to be pretty. Then the guy responded. Then the guy said that too. Responded with, "I'm sorry, I have no change." <laughs> then he walked away. Um, but <laughs> this guy, very friendly, very nice. I, I, you know, annoying, uh, very annoying though. And, and we saw him, we went to South Street and it was kind of funny because you didn't even, you weren't aware of him. I'm like, that's the guy, three and a half hours, that's him. <laughs> no, you know why, you know why it was like specifically funny? Because when we walked after we took our, um, very sarcastic pictures with Sylvester Stallone, um, <laughs> we were driving, we were driving to Rain House Square and I was thinking, huh, you know, I probably will never see this guy again in my life. Like just thinking about it, I'll never see him again in my life. And there's not really any way of for me to contact him. He's just a speck in my life that is insignificant that I'll never see. Two hours later, walking in South Street, when you pointed him out to me, I, I had tears in my eyes. Tears. He was he was with his wife, um, and his his wife looked. I'm not I'm not no, gonna go there. No. <laughs> and he had a kid who had like you know curly hair, looked like looked like a nerdy kid, nice nice guy, looked like a nerdy kid. Uh, and there's just this, this family just walking around and you could tell the kid wasn't really into it. And it was just an odd family, but it he was, really, funny. it he was kept funny. nudging his dad. He kept nudging his dad to uh, run up the Rocky stairs. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do it in a second. We'll do it in a second. Um, but they got pizza. They got a slice of pizza. You're in Philly. Get, you know, experience the city a little bit. Get a, get a cheesesteak or something. Uh, just, you know, uncultured, uncultured people. Um, but it was fun. It was a good, it's a nice city. It's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I like Boston more, but it's, it's a nice city. I, there's a lot to do. There are a lot of similarities as well. The thing I like the most, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is the situation with their, their facilities, the, the stadiums. Cause you got Lincoln Financial, uh, Citizens Bank and Wells Fargo all in the same spot. And each right. stadium has their own separate parking lot. So it's not like, it's not like a, a cluster. Of, of of stadiums, it's it's like really easy. It's it's a really cool setup, and and all the venues are are nice. And I've never been on Lincoln Financial. I've heard Citizens Bank is nice, um, and Wells Fargo is really nice. So it's a it's a really nice sporting uh sports area, professional sports area. Yeah, and um, Xfinity Live. That's where Veteran Stadium used to be. That place right between all of them. For those that don't know, it's just like a place that you can get food between games. It's a bar. It's a good place to go out like after the game. Like it's a pretty good like. Seen in that regard, that place just prints money. It's like prints it's like money. it's like ESPN Zone with like four or five different restaurants in it. It's it's a really cool complex. I've never been in anything like it. And yeah, they I mean game day, they're bringing in a ton of money, ton of money. I'm yeah, sure. they definitely are. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a good trip. You know, like glad you had a good time. We we did hit most of the of the good spots. You didn't really get to see any like colleges like Penn or Drexel or anything like that. But it's not nothing too. Nothing too crazy. You're not miss out much. You didn't see North Philly, which is a really, really bad area. Uh, you didn't see like the really like, I guess Western part. Yeah, like West Philly, like near like Chester, all that stuff. That's nothing crazy either. You were basically only in the good parts, but the city actually is, actually is pretty big. So, well, South Street's really cool. I really like that area because there's a lot of shopping. Um, and it's like if you've ever been in Boston, it's like more of a, a, a more of a subtle like blue collar Faneuil Hall area, which I prefer honestly, because <clears throat> I feel like there's you know, probably more affordable shopping, more of a variety, and it's not as like, yeah, you know, it's not as stuck as as Dan Buick would say. It's not as yeah. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it's it, it was it was 
lot of fun. And there's like the, that area of really nice houses, kind of like Beacon Hill, a lot of similarities between, between Philly and Boston. I think attitude wise on, on top of that. So I enjoyed it. I, I, I hope to go back, uh, one of these days. Um, and it was, it was, it was definitely a fun, fun time. There's one more thing regarding the weekend that I wanted to talk about, but I forget what it was. We went out to the bars Friday night. It's a cool time, you know. Yeah, same old stuff. Um, That's great. All right, so before we get into this, I would just want to promote next Tuesday, Ithaca, Ithaca basketball on the road at Wells. I'll be calling that game. The great uh, Danny Doherty and Chad Kowalik. Ithaca played Cortland last night. It was actually pretty cool atmosphere. They won by like two at the end. Everyone was screaming, uh, getting into it, chirping uh, players, but – yeah, next Tuesday at um, seven o'clock is is that game on uh, vicradio.org. One more thing, we we should probably talk about Thanksgiving a little bit. Um, so did, who, what was your Thanksgiving situation like? You at your house, you go to an uncle's house, a cousin's. I just went, went to my dad's sister's house, and you know, same old. So you got a job yet? So yeah, graduation's yeah. coming up. How does that feel? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much uh, stuff like that. That annoying. Yes. It's but you would do, but seriously, you have graduation coming up. How's that? I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We, we should probably get into it. Yeah. Um, let's get into, think, um, Eli, Eli Manning. That news. Eli first. All right. Yeah. That news shocked me yesterday. Absolutely shocked me for an organization. The last five years to like last year was last year. They were, they were a good football team. 11 and five made the playoffs, lost to, you know, the loss to the Packers. They they were like an interesting team, you know. Now, now I'll, I'll put it at that. Every other year, they have not made the playoffs. Like 2011, they won the Super Bowl. 2012, no playoffs. 13, no playoffs. 14 and 15, no playoffs. Every year during that awful stretch, stretch which was combined with a bad job by Jerry Reese, um, Coughlin just really getting pushed out, and then McAdoo coming in. Well, McAdoo was really last year and this year. McAdoo last year looked like he could be a coach of this team for the next 10 years, really, just with the job that he did with that new defense because it was a brand-new defense. They spent a lot of money on it. They were great. You know, it really looked like he had control of the locker room. And this year, I, th- I picked this team to win the division. And now you see that not only are they 2-9, and nine, but they benched, they benched Eli Manning, their Hall of Fame Pro Bowl quarterback who's been through through thick and thin – with all the class in the world. During that stretch from 2012 to 2016 where they made the playoffs that one time, every year the guy was able to put up numbers. Even though they didn't make the playoffs, it wasn't his fault. Obviously, quarterback needs to take the most blame. In in 2012, 26 touchdowns, 15 picks. 2013, that was the year they started out 0-6, and he had 18 touchdowns and 27 picks, but he was sacked 39 times. He was forced to fumble seven. He was there. It was the McAdoo's first year as an offensive coordinator. There was a lot of dysfunction. It was not his fault. He wasn't on any right page with any of his receivers. After that, 30 and 14, touchdown interception. 35 and 14 the next year. 26 and 16 the next year. Like, the guy is always putting up numbers. He had a consistent, besides that McAdoo year, uh, average quarterback rating of 88. And they're thinking that it's his fault. Ben McAdoo loses control of the locker room. And Eli Manning comes into the year this year. And right now, the Giants are obviously the worst that they've been with Eli Manning. That's no hot take. Literally, their offensive line is atrocious. They have no running game. And all of their receivers are hurt. Their best receiver is a practice squad guy. The defense is banged up. Janoris Jenkins now out for the year. How is this Eli's fault? 
And the craziest thing about me, this is, to me, Jerry Reese isn't out. Um, ben McAdoo isn't out. They're yeah, acting, they're acting like, they're acting like it's like a matter of consistency. And then they just bench Eli Manning between that for, what, what, what's it gonna do? Like, what's it gonna do? Geno Smith's gonna come in there, he's gonna get stink. And then after that, what, you're gonna throw a third round rookie in who never even dresses to play behind that awful line? That, talk about something that stunts growth. I mean, like, it's I, not, it's, I, not, it's I, not about, it's not about Eli Manning. Um, deserving to start. Like, he doesn't deserve to start. He hasn't been very good. He's obviously not going to be a Super Bowl quarterback again. <clears throat> At least it doesn't seem like it. He's, he's, he's been bad. The past five years has not been a great five years for him. Last year, yeah, they went 11 and five. They still underperformed with the roster that they had. They were stacked. They underperformed though on, on every side of the ball. Um, the, the problem is how they've managed the situation. And I think their logic, this is, this is what I've gathered. I think their logic is they don't want to stick Davis Webb in there, a rookie quarterback, to, to be the successor for the best quarterback in their franchise history, who won them two Super Bowls, who started every game for 14 years. So they're letting Geno Smith be the middle guy, the middleman, uh, to, to kind of cushion that so that it's not a ton of pressure on a rookie quarterback. But the thing is, they should have just gotten rid of Eli earlier in the season because obviously, you know, you knew week eight that this team, week week seven, that this team was not going to make the playoffs, that they weren't going to go anywhere. Uh, ben McAdoo had already lost control of that locker room, and they were already a, a team that no one really took seriously uh, at that point. Wait till week 12 to do this when you could have gone out on good terms with a with your future Hall of Fame quarterback. It's just it's disrespectful to Eli, and it shows – how poorly managed this organization is. Will Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese be out after this year? Absolutely. Making that move to, to out them in the middle of the season, I don't know if that's productive either. So I understand them keeping those two around for the meantime. But keeping Eli Manning to week 12, benching him and keeping him on your roster was silliness. Is silliness. Uh, and it's Wait, just, do, it's do those other, circus. Do, do those other guys give them a better chance to win? This team is brutal. Their offensive line stinks. They have no running game. They have no It's receivers. not about winning that's though. The, and, and the, the, I know, I know, but what, what is it going to do for a young quarterback? What's it going to do for Davis Webb, who hasn't even done anything this year? It's not even about him. him. It's about the evaluation. They're evaluating what they have. And yeah, it's but not it's about so Geno Smith. Dumb. They want to, they want to see Davis Webb come in there. Which They're going to they see the worst of him. They're going to see the worst of this guy. This guy's never even suited up for a game, Alex. He's never even suited up for a game. And they're going to throw him in there against a pass rush that's going to hit him every other time. And he doesn't even know where to throw the football to because receivers don't run the, their good routes. Yeah, so he's, he I mean, he's got a, a horrible surrounding cast. My, I also think that they know whether or not they want to take a quarterback in this upcoming draft. And maybe it's a matter of them not being super high on, on, on the guys available in that top three, top five. Uh, and they just want to see what they got with Davis Webb. Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it obviously is extremely poorly managed. I don't think it's like a, a, a horrible thing to stick Davis Webb out there. He's, he's a rookie quarterback. Yes. But the expectations aren't super high. And there's not a ton of pressure on him, especially when you you have Geno Smith really taking the fall in this one. Like he's going to be in there for two weeks. And then you have David Swepp come in, and yes, there'll be spotlight on him. Yes, he'll probably be scru- heavily scrutinized. It's, it's it is better than sticking him in there directly after benching Eli Manning. I get that. I just don't know. I I'm with you in in, in the sense that I don't know what they're they're expecting from this kid. Uh, when he's going to be put in in the mix uh, as a quarterback with the horrible offensive line and a horrible receiving core, like 
You can say the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo coming in for, for the 49ers. I know it's apples and oranges, but it's, I, yeah, he's got a horrible surrounding cast. And if you really want to develop a quarterback and, and not scar him and not, uh, and, and not be counterproductive towards his, towards his, um, towards his career, um, then I don't know. I don't know what the logic is there. So See, well, CJ, CJ Beathard and, and Eli Manning are like this is just pure. Yeah, it's Eli Manning. That's disrespect. You're you're you're. I don't. I, already I, over. But I, your season's I, already done. Like, like why? <laughs> why? Like he's done so much for this organization. When the GM, like he's been the only consistent thing. This team's been awful. And besides last year, they've been awful. Everything about them has stunk. Besides him, besides the what first year of McAdoo, the other years he put up good numbers. He was solid. He he did the best with what he could do. He's not the most mobile quarterback. He can't really extend plays too much, but he did the most. He gave this franchise everything he had. He won so many great road playoff games and, and two Super Bowls, beating the the best dynasty in the NFL's history, arguably. And, and this is how you treat him when he when he's literally just done everything that he can for this franchise. He's most likely a Hall of Famer and, and winning Super Bowls like this. This is how they treat him. I, I was just so shocked because it's just unnecessary. It's not like it's a Sam Darnold type of guy. You're throwing a guy who's never even dressed into a fire like this. It's brutal. I think it's brutal. Yeah, I, it should have been done earlier in the season. I don't think it's it's bad that Eli is being being not starting for the Giants when you are two and nine. Uh, you're you're and the quarterback play has been subpar regardless of his surrounding. Obviously, it's not it's not out out of the question to make a change. It's how they did it, how they went about it, and how they treated the best quarterback they've ever had in this situation. And it's also Ben McAdoo just being incompetent. He's one of the worst worst head coaches in the NFL right now. He's out the door. He's halfway out the door already. Um, and him going on the podium and, and saying. Uh, Gino gives us the best chance to win. That's bullshit. That's, that's, that's 100% bullshit. That's not why you're doing it. You're doing it to evaluate. Just, just be honest. You're not a playoff contender right now. Uh, and, and you, and having Eli start the rest of the season, really, I mean, you could have done it. No one would have really batted an eye, but it's not like you're getting anything out of that. I think they really need to just, I think they just made, make Eli finish the season, make any long-term commitment decisions in a classy way, because he's always been classy for them. And evaluate Davis Webb there. I don't think the guy's ready. Maybe this is just a trying out type of thing for Gino, but I think it's too early in the season to do that. And I think Eli deserves more respect. That's, that's they should they should they should have released him or traded him when they had the chance. Because when you start the season at would would they start Owen Owen six or something Owen eight when you're at Owen eight trade the guy. You know he's out there. He's thirty four year old quarterback, thirty five whatever he is. Send him to a, to a team that actually has a good surrounding cast that would give him a chance to fight for the playoffs or maybe even a Super Bowl. He goes to the Jaguars. Who knows? I know that's a team thrown out. All right, let's let's move on first. Um, just want to plug my other podcast, calling it with Alex Barth. CLNS Media comes out every Monday around two o'clock. So download the CLNS uh, Media or podcast app, and you can subscribe there. You can subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. Follow us on Twitter, calling it pod. Um, and it comes out every Monday, two o'clock. We also have the Sunday night roundup, NFL roundup every week, which will only go on what five more weeks now. Uh, what are we week 12? Maybe yeah. even playoffs. Who knows? Um, so yeah. All right. John, we made some lists and, and I want to go back on something because it's, it's a top 10, uh, players in the NBA list. And I said that it's kind of the same as top 10 players you'd want to start with. I'd probably make one or two changes on my list. 
for that. Um, so first, first I'll go through what my top 10 players are currently. And then I just want to let you know, I, I'll clarify on maybe how I would switch that order up if we were doing like a, a draft and we had to start a player or a team with, with certain players. So, um, do you want to go one for one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go one for one. Let's we'll start. It. We'll start at one because I think top, you know, top five isn't going to be as surprising. Number one, LeBron. Yep, I'm uh, LeBron as well, man. I LeBron watched him against the Sixers the other night, man. And obviously, like, I knew he was still so good, but the way that this guy is able to play when his back's to the wall, obviously, he dominates. We don't, we don't need to even talk about it. LeBron's and LeBron. It, he's in great shape, but even still to this day, he's by far the best player in the league right so now at 33. We'll go LeBron and KD. We don't even need to dive into that. I think that's unanimous, number one and number two. Uh, number three, I think we differ on this. I have Kawhi Leonard, and you have James Harden. Yeah, and, and I think we're at three and four. So I've I've Kawhi number three, Harden number four. I think you have Harden number three, Kawhi number four. Why do you have Harden three and Kawhi four? Harden's just a pure scorer, a pure point guard, a great passer. He can get to the rim whenever he gets to the foul line whenever. He makes other players way better. He gets the most out of his players. And if you put him in a great system, he's one of the few guys in the league that I would label as always unguardable. I would say he's unguardable. Uh, Steph's unguardable. Um, KD's unguardable. There's only like three Kyrie. Like, and Kyrie. Those are like the only four guys like for, that are the best pure scores in the league that are unguardable. Yeah, I, I and I agree with that. I, I think Ky, uh, James Harden's probably the purest scorer in the NBA, the best scorer in so the NBA. So smooth, unreal handles, second best handles in the league. Like the guys, the guys, uh, he's like if you're starting a team. Like that's just a great guy to. To, for the first play, like I know Kawhi is a great defender and great offensive and a great fundamental guy, but if I'm just starting a team, I think Harden gives me a, a better chance. Yeah, I, and I, I think you can go either way. I just go Kawhi because of what you mentioned. I think he's a more well-rounded player and he'll still give you 25 to 30 every night and, and he'll lock down the other team's best, best score, best player. Um, so if you're looking for someone who's a two-way player, Kawhi, I think is as good as anyone. Um, and, and I, I think, um, you know, LeBron, KD, obviously number one, number two, and then there's a decent amount of distance between the rest of the pack. But Kawhi is just, I also, I also love guys who have the attitude that he has. Like, not a flashy player, not a flashy guy. He's quiet. He does his business. He's a hard worker. I feel like he's probably a good leader. Um, and he's benefited from having a, a coach in Greg Popovich, but he's a much better defensive player than James Harden. And James Harden gets a bad rap. I think he's better than people give him credit for, but Kawhi is just, he's elite. He's an elite player both ways. I wouldn't say James Harden's necessarily an elite defender. Number five, we differ on this one too. Who do you got? Well, I did when I posted this. I posted this list three days ago on Twitter. Um, I put Kyrie and then Steph, but I was reaching a little. I was looking at like a good amount of stats, but I, I, I thought like Kyrie's like better in some ways, but really just there's so much more evidence for Steph. So I, I put Steph number five. I went Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Um, I, I just think he's turning into one of the, one of the best players in the league. He's 22 years old, uh, and this is where it goes back to like if I had to start a team, I'd probably even have him higher on my list. I'd, I'd have him above Kawhi. I'll tell you that. Maybe he's below LeBron and KD, but he's below uh, he's above Kawhi and James Harden just because of his age, because of how dominant he is already. Um, he's just he is a freak. He's a freak athlete. He's turning, he's turning into a, a dominant force offensively. And once he, you know, finds his three point shot, uh, becomes a, and he's already a good defender, but once he just polishes his game a little bit more, 
will be the best player in the NBA. Like, I, I could think, be. I, yeah, think I, I watched this game last night, dude. I watched they played in Sacramento, and I'll tell you this: besides LeBron James, I don't think there's a single more dangerous player in the NBA when running the floor in transition with space absolutely. than this absolutely. guy. He, he he had 32 points last night, 11 to 16 shooting. When I watched them against the Kings, he's he dominates. And and yeah, he's just he's he's dominant. He's 22 years old. He's a dominant force, and I think it will become there. They'll come a point. What what's what's KD now? 29, 28. Um, yeah. so he's getting older. I feel like there will be like one season and it, I don't think it's this year, but like next year, the year after that, where it's uh, a flip's going to switch, uh, a switch is going to flip and he's going to leapfrog over both those guys and be the best player in the NBA. And, and, uh, that might be a bold statement, but I think that in three years from now, it's going to be Antetokounmpo as the best player in the NBA. He'll be 25 years old. Scary to think. But that's a guy, if he stays in Milwaukee, people talk about the Celtics being good for the next decade. The Sixers will be good for the next decade in the Eastern Conference. That team, the Bucks, simply because they have Antetokounmpo, even though it's in a cesspool of a state in Wisconsin, uh, that's a free agency destination just because of that guy. So he's number five for me. Number six, you had, you had, had Kyrie. Kyrie. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really talk about Steph as much, but Steph, I feel like that's pretty pretty self-explanatory. Kyrie, I have him further down on my list. Why, why do you have Kyrie so high? He's down the stretch of a game. You need a bucket, he'll get it. That's his shit. Best handles in the league, best at finishing at the rim in the league. Those two. Way better defender than he gets credit for. He's a playmaker. I mean, he he does – maybe he doesn't completely stuff the stat sheet in terms of assists or rebounds, but he's tough. He does what he needs to do. And when he's got the ball in an ISO situation, quite frankly, I don't think there's a player in the NBA I want with the ball in his hands with 10 seconds left more than Kyrie Irving. It's not just because of that shot against Golden State in Game 7. You watch games. You watch playoff games. You watch regular season games. If this guy's playing angry and they just need a bucket, he will get you a bucket every time he goes down the court, whether it's him crossing someone up, going to the rim, finishing at the rim, a step back three, setting up a shot for someone else. I love his game, and I borderline had him at number five over Seth. Yeah, I think I'll say this. I think he has a higher ceiling than what what Steph has produced. I think he he can end up being a better player than what Steph is. Right, Steph's in his prime right now. Kyrie, another guy, only twenty five, and also another another guy who I would have higher on my list if if we were talking about players that we'd want to start a, t- a franchise with. Uh, for me, he's number nine. I, I think he's right on the cusp of being a top ten player. He, he's right there. I can understand if you want to kick him out of that top ten. I can understand if you want him as high as six or seven. He's unbelievable. He he has the best handles in the league. He's at the rim in the league, and he's clutch. I, I think you hit you hit the nail on the head with that. And and I, I've seen this year. Obviously, you, you watch the Cavaliers. If you watch the NBA, you know what he's capable of. But seeing it firsthand on the Celtics team, it's been amazing. And his numbers aren't like overly impressive. He's like twenty. I think sometimes we read too much into numbers, man. I really absolutely, do. absolutely. Like, you watch the game. Like people keep tweeting about like the NBA sometimes, and they don't watch him play. Watch Kyrie play basketball. It's amazing. Watch him. Watch him dominate for the best team in basketball right now. That's nineteen and three or nineteen and four. Watch him dominate for them on league pass, and, and forget about stats a little bit. Like stats are very important, but they're not one hundred percent everything. Seven. I had uh, Russ. Same. I thought it was. I thought it was good for number seven for him. He is the biggest bruiser in the league, uh, the biggest force in the league, I'd say. I love watching him play, but last year I gave him sympathy. At the beginning, I was more on the Harden train for MVP, but as the season ended, I went to Russ. But now, when you see guys like Sabonis leave and kill it, when you see a guy like Cancer leave and kill it, when you see a guy like Oladipo leave and become a borderline all-star, 
it kind of makes that argument of Russ didn't have any good players around him bullshit. Yeah. It's kind of a Russ thing. I don't know how good he makes his other players on his team. And this year he's got two players that are most likely going to be Hall of Famers. Each mellow, definitely. Paul George, probably. And you got those two guys on your team and you're eight and 11. I know it's the beginning of the season. They'll figure stuff out, but like who are, who else are you going to blame besides the MVP for that one? I feel like. I feel like Russ sometimes I love his attitude, but I feel like I love it too. Oh my god! Yeah, I feel like so it's counterproductive. Quiet. I feel like it's like he's he's a competitor, but sometimes it's like it, it's 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 too much, and he doesn't really know when to get his teammates involved. That's why he's a guy who turns the ball over as much as he does, um, and his numbers were amazing. But he's a control freak. Maybe that's why KD left. And and I also side note, and I've, I've touched on this before. I understand why KD left. The problem is not KD leaving Oklahoma City. It's him going to Golden State. That's a separate argument. Right, but, right. But Russell Russell Westbrook, he's still a top ten player in the league. He's he's I, I think he's a top five most talented player in the league. But I, I I agree with you in the sense that sometimes he is counterproductive with with his play style and with his aggression. Um, there are definitely flaws in his game, uh, certain flaws in his game that you know. That caused guys to want to leave, maybe, and caused guys to to really come out of their shell once they're once they're not playing with him. And and Ines Canner going to the Knicks obviously is going to have better numbers there. He's going to be more of a contributor there. I, I don't even think he's had like better numbers. He's just been like a better player for them. Like he fits well and he's really like thriving mm-hmm. in in a system like that. But I, I I get what you mean. And Russ, I don't know. Like I I love him as a player, but I think seven's like a good place for him right now. And He's got to prove to me he can make other players better. That's the most important. That's one of the most important things for a point guard, you know. Who do you got number eight? Uh, Giannis. I put Giannis number eight just solely because um, I think his ceiling is extremely high. But these other guys in their careers, you know, like I, you can only trust ceiling so much. And mm-hmm. again, like I watched him play last night and he was great. But I, I want to see why I think eight is a good spot for him. Uh, who'd you put eight? Anthony Davis. Uh, okay. I, I I think he's. He's the best big man in the NBA, most skilled big man, best offensively, but most well-rounded. Health has obviously been a factor, a negative factor in his career, but he's just, he's, you gotta get a big man in there and he's as talented as they come. He's dominant. He's not a guy who I, I think can, you know, I, I wouldn't pick him as my franchise piece. He might not even be in my top 10 for that because we've seen the Pelicans with him and he has Boogie as well. They're a good team, but like he's not he's not a guy who can take a team and carry them through the playoffs. Dwight was really the last big man who could do that. Um reason I have him at 8 and I maybe would even put him lower. I don't know. Uh, it's not a big man's league at this point. Obviously you have a couple guys coming out who who are who are, are trying to change that, Kristaps uh and Anthony Davis and, and Carl Anthony Towns. But he he's good. He's a top 10 player in my opinion. Health's been a factor. Uh, and, it, and, and the fact that it's not really, he, he's not as versatile as, you know, small forwards are, for instance. That's why he, he's down at eight. Um, right. Yeah. He's, he's my number nine, but I'll tell you this right now. I, him and Boogie are literally tied right now for me. And Anthony Davis is just, he just has that edge because of his ability to really like just stretch the floor a little more. And his, his last couple of years and his ceiling over Boogie's right now, I think that's why. Continues this like this season and plays this well. And these two like if the season ended with these two like this, this consistently, I would put Boogie at number nine. The man is a force. If he gets the ball inside the paint anywhere, it's going in the basket. He can shoot a little bit. He blocks shots. He's a hell of a defender. 
And in Sacramento, obviously what we figured out when he left, it's not, it wasn't Boogie's fault. They sucked. Sacramento is a, a cancerous culture. Mm-hmm. And now that he's with, like, this is the best front court in the NBA. You got Anthony Davis at the four and Boogie at the five, but those two are together. But if they, if he's able to keep up what he's been able to do this year for the rest of the season, I would take Boogie at nine. Yeah, and I, I, I understand that. I think Boogies as dominant as they come for, for big men. Um, and I, I, like he's the best center in the league, in my opinion, right now. Him and Drummond are, are tied. For the best centers in the league. Like those guys are, yeah. Those, and Gobert is up there too, Gasol, but these guys that can. Drummond's not as versatile. He's a guy who can score in the paint. He's kind of sucks with free throws. He gets boards. He's just, he's just a beast. He's just like a physical specimen. His free throw percentage actually went up to a 63%, which is a massive upgrade, about 30% better. He was killing the Celtics the other night. He was killing, he kept going yeah. along. He kept hitting his free throws. I was like, when did this guy learn how to shoot free throws? Um, but yeah, I, I would agree. Cousins is a dominant player. I'm right on the cusp. He's like 10 to 13 for me, um, or, or 11 to 13 for me. Who you got a nine? We already discussed him, Kyrie Irving. He's number nine. But again, if we we're doing like who would you start a team with, he'd be top five for me. Currently in the NBA, if I was starting a franchise, he'd probably be right at like right around five or six. So I'd move him up there. Um, and I think he will be better than a, a Steph Curry type. There yet for me. I don't, I don't think he's better than Russ either. I think Russ, we talked about, get a little counterproductive, but just as far as pure talent goes, he's a step above him right now. Um, number 10, we, I think we differ on this. So you got a 10. I got John Wall. Um, Wizards haven't had the best season to start it off, and he hasn't been their best player. Otto Porter's been great. He's been better than Porter, but Bradley Beal is at about 25 points per game. He's showing off. He got way better on defense. He's a way better shooter. He's a top shooter in the league, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But John Wall just compliments him so well. He gets to the basket, great passer, great handles, great defender, one of the quickest guards in the league, definitely top three in terms of speed, and just a fundamental good point guard to have him game down the stretch. And a big thing about him that made him jump, his shooting got a lot better. John Wall is uh, number 10 for me. The numbers don't show that he's even a top 20 player right now, but he's easily number 10 for me. I got Paul George. I think this is kind of a shocker. He's kind of he's someone who probably most people have in top fifteen. I think he goes under the radar though. I think he's one of the most underappreciated players um, in, in the league right now. I, I, Good defender, great scorer. He's a well-rounded player, and I just I, you know he he's not the most flashy. Um, he's kind of like a poor man's Kawhi, but he's he's very he. I think he's still a top ten player. I, I I think that he's so versatile, and I think that again, small forwards are so valuable in this league that you can't help but have him in that top 10 to 12 range. Uh, and, and now he's on Oklahoma City getting less touches, obviously, with Russ and, and, and Melo sharing the, sharing he's the load. He's still, still getting his buckets. But he's still getting his buckets. He's still playing well. He's still one of the best defensive uh, threes in the NBA. I think he leads the league in steals right now. So that's my number 10. Um, and he'd probably be right around 10 to 13 for you, right? Um, 10 to yeah. 15. Probably around that eight or ten to fifteen, he'd be there. I mean, look, he's a great player. I don't think he'll ever be the best player on a championship team, and um, I don't, I don't really know how great I feel about his attitude. But yeah. you know, he's a great player, and um, we'll see. Like this year, like he's he's been the best player on this team this year for Oklahoma City. Him and Russ have been neck and neck. Those two, yeah. they complement each other well. But again, they're eight and eleven, so. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see how that goes, but I think that's that's going to do it. Well, we have honorable mentions. Uh-huh. Oh, honorable mentions, right, right. So right. I'll just run through a list. Um, some of these we've already touched on: John Wall, Clay Thompson, Demarcus Cousins. We already touched on Damian Lillard. No, we didn't discuss him at all. Um, Draymond Green. His numbers aren't amazing, but 
He's best defensive player in the NBA. Can guard one through five, really. Butler, who's probably closer to 20 than 10. Um, and a couple guys who were on the up and up. Christoph Porzingis, just as far as, as, as offensive big man, I think he's, he's top five offensive big man, maybe even top three in the NBA right now. I think Joel Embiid's on his way of being one of the best big men as well. We'll see if he can last his entire season. But I think he's already like a top 20 player, just dominance wise. He's, he's, I think he's one of the hardest in the NBA to guard. So he's an honorable mention for me. Um, yeah, that's it. What do you got? Um, obviously like Clay, Draymond, those two are right there. Um, you got to talk about other guys like Damian Lillard, who's mm-hmm. forced to be reckoned with. Probably the most underrated player in the NBA. In my opinion, I don't think he gets nearly enough love that he, uh, that he should. Chris Stapp, what about definitely Jimmy, Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler is more towards like the 20 range for me. I like, he's a great yeah. two way player, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with him. And uh, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about this is kind of a little off topic, but uh, with Jimmy Butler to bring back to the Celtics, Jimmy Butler and um, four. That's another thing we didn't t- discuss. What's his future in Philly? Uh, remember when the Sixers wanted the number three pick that ended up getting Jalen Brown for Julio Okafor? What was that? Remember when the Sixers wanted the Celtics number three pick? That was used to get Jalen Brown. In exchange for Okafor? In exchange for Okafor. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Imagine if that had happened. I was thinking about that. Imagine I if mean, that yeah, Okafor probably would have been a really good player for Boston. I mean, they're probably going to get their hands on him one of these days, and he'll probably be a good player for them. He'll probably do well. What's what's going on there? What's what's the deal? Is it, is it just it's, – it's, they're, they're forcing him out. They're handling it brutally. And mm-hmm. um, now they didn't even pick up a fourth-year option. They're letting him leave at the end of this season, which is a little – kind of selfish on their end because – they don't trade him. He just goes into free agency on the bench all year, not even playing. Who knows what kind of contract he'll be offered. He'll probably end up taking a one-year deal somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, they, they just handle it brutally. I mean, I think he'll end up, he'll end up finishing the season on the other team, if I had to guess. Yeah. I mean, but they're probably going to have to end up trading him for a bag of chips. Yeah. Uh, maybe, but teams don't even want to give up a second round pick for the guy. Um, all right. Any, any final thoughts before we, uh, we, we end this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just finished The Sopranos. It, it didn't change my life, but it was a great show, and now I'm, uh, looking for, looking for something else, but, I mean. Can, can you watch Big Mouth, and then we can discuss it on next week's show? I, you can finish, it's ten episodes, half hour episodes. You can finish it in a week easy. Um, yeah, alright, I'll watch it, I'll watch it. Watch it, watch it. I'm telling you, funniest show I've seen in years. I started Game of Thrones 2, like, three months ago, but I've, I'm, I just haven't picked it back up. I'm, I'm on season two. I just haven't gone back to it. I need to. It's a great show. That's another good one. But it's time commitment. You gotta really pay attention. It's very dense. Um, you've seen Breaking Bad. Haven't seen well, Better Call Saul yet. I need to, I need to get I don't on know, that. I don't know why you haven't. It's just as good. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing. And I'll probably end up just binging that and then getting good. caught up in, uh, one good. of these days. One of these days. All right. Um, that will do it for this week's, uh, episode of the John and Lebo show. We'll be back place next week. Thanks for tuning in.